0: But I ain't really shit right now, no I shit. I really shit right now, so no, I shit, I really can't move right now, no I mim, I really wanna let the girl snow fly it, but I really ship right now, so no, I
1: ship, I ain't, shit, I ain't shit. Yeah. Hey guys, welcome back to Block Channel. We're back for episode 44. It's been a couple of weeks since you had an episode. I've been a little bit busy. Dimitri and Petty have not been busy, and if you ever want to see them, and you're not seeing catching episodes of Block Channel, feel free to just go over to the BitcoinPodcast.com, check out all the great stuff that goes on through their network. Our two networks are independent, but we are very close together. We're like brothers and sisters. We all love each other, um, and so if you ever need to get a taste of that good crypto podcast goodness, head over towards that direction. Um, but for us, you know, still trying to uh, give you guys the best of discussions with developers, um, entrepreneurs, uh, movers and shakers in the space uh, that are looking to push the industry forward and novel, uh, in novel and very innovative ways. And this week is no different. This week we're going to be joined by two gentlemen, uh, Blake Richardson, CEO, and Luke Bateman, head of communications at CryptoPets. And what they've developed is another full-fledged like platform for ethereum based gaming um without going into a lot of detail um i'll definitely let those two gentlemen do that for you um a disclaimer for the show i'm an advisor for this company as well and have been since its inception uh, and i'm a really big fan of their project um, going forward that being said Corey petty and Dimitri ferguson are back as my two loyal co-hosts again this week Corey petty Dimitri, can you guys introduce yourselves
2: for sure disclaimer I am not an advisor for Crypto Pets, and I also like what they're doing, and uh, always happy to be here on Block Channel. Uh,
0: yeah, this is D. Uh, a claimer. Uh, Fortnite is just not that great of a game. I played it the other day, and I just want to put that out there. So, not a disclaimer. I'm claiming that statement. <laughs>
1: Okay, that's fine. Fortnite is just not that great. Um, So uh, moving forward, uh, I've not played it yet. Still haven't. I don't know if I'm missing out on something in life. It's fine. I'm obsessed with crypto. It makes me happy. Um, So uh, back to CryptoPets. So Blake and Luke, uh, gentlemen, could you guys do us a favor? Um, One of you can start. uh, Perhaps let's go with Blake and just give us a quick primer on your background um, and how it is you ended up uh, working on the CryptoPets team.
3: Uh, I started out in uh, blockchain space when I was uh, in college. I first heard about Ethereum in 2015. I kind of got interested in the space from what was possible there. I looked into some of the you know first use cases with that, you know, early kind of early tokens. Saw the saw the initial uh, Ethereum ICO. Didn't buy into it. Then you know roughly uh, kind of six months thereafter, after following it, seeing it, you know, kind of slowly develop and practice that, you know, using. Uh, The Ethereum, uh, you know, Ethereum virtual machine and everything, kind of got more involved, started talking with some friends about, you know, what I could do around the space. I was uh, working in cybersecurity at the time, um, still in college, actually, and got, you know, kind of got more interested and talked with some people there. And then I I met... a few other of my business partners, I was working with Mitchell actually at the time, which is now the, the head of product at CryptoPets, and we started out on the new blockchain venture called uh, Illuminate with um, our current CTO as well, and we, we built out that blockchain company over uh, course of the year, and uh, a lot of a lot of good things came of that, and that's kind of how uh, we started out the CryptoPets project, which came along um, kind of midway through that, and now is our our focus.
1: Perfect. All right. So thank you so much for that succinct breakdown. So let's do the same for you, Luke. Give us give us uh, your pedigree. Uh, how'd you fall into the crypto space?
4: Uh, well, you know, I think uh, a lot of people enter the crypto space kind of um, randomly. Um, I definitely didn't have a background in tech. I, I went to school for political science, um, and took a few classes in communication. So um, I'd been a big fan of Bitcoin since about 2013 um, for some of the reasons Blake had described. And, uh, you know, I hadn't really looked into what it meant uh, you know to, to really build on these sort of dapps and the, the dApp promise so when I got involved in ethereum um, you know in late 2016 I, I started to see that people were actually building something out of it that you know was beyond really my wildest imagination and you know I think there's every 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 person that enters this space has this this like almost a defining moment when they when they start to read more and more and more and it just consumes their life for like a period of days or weeks you know there's there's a lot of loss of sleep and you know, everything is so interesting and new. It just like tickles your brain in a way that just hadn't been done before. And you know, keep in mind, i had been you know a full-time student at the same time, so um, I got very interested in that, and um, you know, kind of lost a lot of sleep about learning every you know you know every bit of the distance that it covers between the you know the subjects that are compiled in blockchain. And uh, you know, luck would have it, I uh, I ran into um, many of the members of the team here uh, at an event in BC that they had been hosting under a previous name. And, uh, you know, we really hit it off. And, you know, long story short, we just continued to, you know, push forward and, you know, follow the, uh, the you know, the, the will of the market uh, as, as, as what it seemed for a little bit. But, you know, I, I'd be a fool if I looked back and said that luck didn't give me a big, uh, big up into this space.
1: All right. Perfect. I appreciate that. So let's take it from here. Now that the audience knows who you are, I already knew who you were. So we're done pretending now. Uh, let's jump into <laughs> why we're here uh, and focus on CryptoPets. Um, so CryptoPets, uh, I'll give my kind of just quick breakdown of what the importance of it. Um, CryptoPets is a gaming platform uh, built on top of Ethereum that seeks to take some of the more traditional legacy gaming mechanics of more traditional like turn by uh uh, turn-by-turn uh, RPGs, um, as well as more, like, uh, traditional, like, desktop games, um, games that are have, like, an affinity to, like, Pokemon, collecting, um, you know, improving internal stats of your individual creatures, right? Just, like, mechanics that you've, like, become accustomed to uh, in, in games, like, over the past 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, um, and then the evolution of them as a whole. And so that being said, uh, as we move to the Ethereum gaming space, we have an opportunity for a lot of different um, experimental, I guess, uh, practices that we can take, trying to figure out what's the best way to facilitate digital asset transfers and immutability um, with the compatibilities of gaming. Um, so, like that being said, Crypto Pets was a very interesting project uh, for me uh, because I originally saw Crypto Kitties when it came to fruition, and I was very excited about what. Benny Jiang, and I believe that's his name, and uh, the Axiom Zen team had put together. And so I immediately got creative in my imagination over kind of what could go um, after this, like, what could be a successor? Like, I immediately saw the novelty of CryptoKitties, but I was like, ah, uh, but it's missing something after playing around with it for about, like, 10 minutes. And so that being said, they made me just kind of explore the idea on what could come of this, you know, kind of given my past as being a huge fan of uh, JRPGs uh, and, and online MMOs uh so i seeded some ideas uh with some of the other individuals from the Crypto pets team and and from that and from their brilliance and their hard work and their team and their partnerships um they've come with what they have that they're going to uh educate us on today so so gentlemen uh give us a breakdown on the project in your own words and then together with petty and dimitri we'll try and like poke holes and figure out what else you guys got going on yeah perfect so uh,
3: i'd like to start with kind of you know how we got started it was uh it was late, you know, January and late, late November, um, early December of uh, last year when we were trying to decide, you know, what to do, kind of uh, in this space. We thought it was really interesting, and we kind of came up with this idea called Crypto Zootopia. And we, we kind of, we announced the idea with almost no support because um, it was just like a, a, a concept at the time. And then we kind of, we, we came to you, Steve, and we saw that. Um, you know, you had this idea of what would be crypto pets, and we just thought it'd be a great idea to, to take that on and see, so, you know, you helped us kick that off of the, the idea. So we we kind of dropped what would have been crypto Zootopia, which was the idea of like a, a zoo or something or rather on the blockchain with like District OX. And we, we took with, uh, you know, we took the inspiration from you there and we, 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 you know, kind of ran with it, as you said. So, you know, late December there, uh, early December, when we launched the project, we, you know, kind of thought for a while you know what what's the best way forward and you know obviously with uh you know, your, your love of gaming and our love of gaming we're like you know what could we do that's more fun than crypto kitty it's using the same concept and what made that so popular the, the ownership and transferability of these assets it's provably rare and we're like what can we do with that so we decided to partner um with a game development firm called arcade distillery and they've been really instrumental in this project they've actually uh they they are a boutique like game design studio based out of New York and they've kind of helped um, craft the project and develop out some of the functionality for the for the the video game the first version of it that's coming out uh, or actually the beta came out I guess just last week it's it's crazy to say sure. so yeah to just last week and they're helping us you know, push out this first version on browser so kind of uh, one sentence uh, answer is that it's a uh, video game that uses the traditional aspects of the uh, CryptoKitties Marketplace and iterates on that and allows, uh, you know, gamers to go in and play a fun, you know, online turn-based video game, and when they win battles or lose battles, it, um, you know, calls in uh, events, and those events actually interact directly with the chain, so, you know, you win a battle, you get experience points, and those experience points are uh, pushed to the chain, and you now have, say, you know, one of the names of our crypto pets is called Fribbit. So you now have a Fribbit that instead of level one is level two. And so in-game dynamics are actually altering um, the, the, each individual asset. So we, we, we update the assets. And now you have, you know, uh, a provably rare Fribbit that's also level two. So that's like kind of the, the first version that we're uh, pushing out.
0: That sounds amazing. I'm so I'm, I'm somewhat of a connoisseur of, of video games. I come from the Academy of GoldenEye. And um <laughs> the Academy of Goldeneye, very it, prestigious university. Yes, the Academy of Goldeneye, uh, and also the Academy of Quest sixty four. What I mean, just other than having like provable rarity, which I understand in MOs MORPGs is, is a very huge deal, especially when you get into like marketplaces and things, even not even just in MORPGs, but like CSGO has this crazy community where you could sell like thousand dollar guns if they have a certain skin and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So if I'm a gamer and I'm and I'm playing Crypto Pets and like, what is the benefit to to playing Crypto Pets instead of like, well, I mean, I can have this like rare fribrit, or I could just go over like CS:GO and have a purple M4 and sell that for like fifteen hundred USD.
3: Yeah, no, I, I get the question exactly. Yeah, so the the three things that really matter for for a gamer for you know. Our gamer ownership, so they actually own the asset, which is you know, you know, unique in uh, crypto games. Is that you know, traditionally, if they go over to you know, t- a typical marketplace that's set up for some of these other games, So say like World of Warcraft has like a secondary marketplace for some of the in-game assets. Those assets are still owned by the company, and that license, that copyright, is still owned by them. And that's not something that really actually empowers the gamer to own what is actually theirs. And so, what we want to allow people to do is you know, actually own the asset, own the license to, you know, to that asset and then the, the in-game character and then be able to port it into new video games. And that's one of the key pieces of this is that we're really building out a platform for future games. The the first version of this game, which is the the online, like, turn-based battle game, is one of a number of different, you know, mini games and, you know, on browser and then also console and mobile games that we'll be pushing out that will be able to use these, these crypto packs. And so that's, like, kind of the, the, the great part about them is that you can buy one of these provably rare crypto pets because, you know, you can go in, uh, you know, check uh, EtherScan and see, hey, there's only one, you know, diamond level fribbit. And I know I have that diamond level fribbit and I can then, you know, upgrade it to level 10 or a level 100 and then move it into our next video game. So you really get to like own what you're doing and also keep what you're doing, which is kind of unique versus like a, a, a typical video game where you lose your progress after the end of that game. So it really allows you to
1: own your experience. So it's kind of like – don't want to interrupt you there, Petty. But it's kind of like – And, like, Pokemon, well, back in the day, when you had the little uh, game cord where you would transfer your Pokemon and, like, assets to, like, another Game Boy Color, then you could play, like, Pokemon Yellow and you can trade your Pokemon to a Pokemon Red or a Pokemon Blue. And then when that moved forward into, like, the new versions of Gold and Silver, then you can move those Pokemon from the older generations um, into the newer generations of the game, but still by moving the stats. And the only... But, you know, those those pets would still exist in the container of, you know, kind of, like, the memory of your little cartridge um but but if the battery on that cartridge ever died all your hard work would just disappear forever so like it was almost the same sort of novelty that as long as you kept your cartridge and didn't delete your save data you always had your pets and you could always transfer them to f- future iterations so it's kind of seems to me like you guys are like kind of removing the the last leg of like having a full continuum of a canonical character and being able to like push it forward and let it evolve with you as a gamer
4: oh i mean a hundred percent i think um you know, a lot of us on this team and <clears throat> for most people, I mean, Pokemon was a pivotal game in their childhood or what brought them into video games, you know, sometimes entirely. So what we noticed was, you know, not only with CryptoKitties, there was room for improvement that we saw, but that the Pokemon franchise or, you know, like, or other larger franchises, um, you know, were, we're, sort of, you know, missing the mark when it came to, you know, how they were able to expand or grow upon that, you know, that franchise name that they'd already built. You know, it's like, you know, they, they, we able to transfer those pep, the the, uh, the actual Pokemon with that cord, but when it came down to like you know third-party design or you know user involvement in that, it was somewhat limited. And you know just the same with with CryptoKitties. I mean, like there was you know there might have been that ability to trade that already existed, but there wasn't as much game you know functionality. There wasn't playability for the gamer per se. So you know we we again it's it's not like you know we saw anything that was like specifically like oh wow we don't like this, but it, it was like things that we realized we could build upon and tweak and make better because as gamers, we realized there was a lot to grow.
2: Yeah, I, I see this as kind of, from a, from a technological perspective, really important across the entire space because it's, it's an evolution of the non-fungible token in a couple different ways. One, it's it's a, a the, the token itself, which would be like your Fribbit, your asset, that you're owning, can grow with how it interacts with whatever platform it's on. So like the game that you you made, Allows it to gain an experience, gain in certain attributes, gain certain things, and that doesn't mean that it's stuck to that game, which we talked about earlier, being able to port from one game to another. So, not only do, like can you evolve the token itself, which you can't really do, which is a like a, a technological movement from previous non-fungible token standards, it allows you to then build things outside of whatever you're doing. So, like if I have this awesome fribit, this thing that I've made that I've grown up. And someone makes a new game, I can immediately just bring it into a new game, and it can take advantage of whatever I've built up from previous games, and things like that. And that's and that's, that's something that doesn't exist in in other game worlds in a like a, a, I guess kind of a provable way, or so you can build marketplaces around um, the transfer of all of these things, as well as like games that take advantage of the different attributes of other games. And bring them into like have some type of synergy, and that's kind of like this new, I guess, new era of like what games can be in the future, which is kind of cool.
3: Yeah, it's it's really an awesome concept when you think about it. Is that you can two really cool things: is one, you can monetize your gameplay like directly versus these like kind of third-party marketplaces that weren't necessarily built into the original game functionality. So now you know that like it's not only that you can play a fun video game, but your hard work and effort can be immediately monetized. And one of like the the cool parts about that is that we can actually design like future iterations of like our game as well as new games to uh, make basically make it required for you to play um, across multiple games. So imagine like right now you buy you know you, you get into Assassin's Creed for example you get you know you get buy it from from Origins and you play up and you know you level, get up to like level forty level forty five or whatever. Imagine, though, that the the actual level cap is like 150 and you need to play the next game. And you can actually take that and move it into the next game and have things that interact from previous versions of different games, maybe that have different art designs or different skins, but still the same core character. And you can move that across multiple years. So if you really, really like something from five years ago, you could still be playing with that if you wanted to.
1: And Now, how do you guys feel about the open nature of your IP? Right. So, one of the things CryptoKitties obviously saw as a, um, a benefit for their business moving forward was like basically to allow um, other designers and stuff to like freely, openly license um, their individual like character designs to build like different. You know, if they're going to create their own custom art, whether they're going to build swag, whether they're going to like kind of like whatever. Um, so, like that being said, if one of the core proponents, one of the great use cases of your system is provable rarity. Take your take your game from you know one aspect to another, or no, excuse me, one environment to another. Uh, but then also at the same time, you want people to be able to like take a character and have that continuity from one game to the other to the other. You can you can kind of do both of those things already centralized, right? Um, and so if you guys are going to centralize the authority of the game assets what is the point of the decentralized platform almost? Um, so my question to you is, what is the future extendability of the platform that will allow it to be sustainable outside of just the uh, the core development of crypto pets? Because that's a pretty generic, long-reaching term. You would think you'd want to have more people to have access to that, right? 100%. And so...
3: The- Kind of two things immediately come to mind. One is our our API that we want to develop that'll allow people to take Crypto Pets into their game, so that mm-hmm. you know extends the the reach of the art and kind of assets we create. Then we also awesome. want to open up a, an SDK that'll allow other people to develop games or assets within our ecosystem. And so that's kind of like one of the big pushes of kind of the idea of a platform is that you know, not only will you be able to play with the crypto pets we provide, but given some content vetting, other people can come in and provide assets that they own. And that we're just a facilitator of this in a, you know, our, our, our marketplace that's uh, the smart contract. So, you know, it facilitates that uh, transfer and they'll allow them to immediately be able to play, say with a character they design or a character that they like um, that we can then implement in our games. And so the idea then is that Really, we're trying to push towards a much more open platform that allows you to t- e- either use the assets you like from us in other games or add things you like from other games into what we're already doing.
1: So you would say it's more like a Steam workshop sort of thing, kind of going forward in the future, APIs, and then having individuals access your SDK and then be able to plug and play into other people's games and your games, right?
3: Yeah, that's, that's definitely the goal. It's
4: awesome. For both the, the uh, gamers and the creators, too. So, you know, it seems to be a win-win. Yeah, um, nice. and what about uh, what about you
1: guys, uh, Corey Petty? What, what what say you? Do you guys have any pressing questions as far as like we can
2: kind of like
3: make these guys stumble?
2: Um, yes, <laughs> um, immediately. How do you feel about crypto zombies? I feel like they're trying to make the same push.
3: So crypto zombies isn't necessarily making the same. I mean, the thing about video games is that because of the art style and the and the, the game design, each individual one kind of occupies its own niche or pillar and you could say they compete because they compete for anybody's you know attention but at the same time they're they're very different markets and so something like crypto zombies um, directly crypto zombies they did a fantastic job on the education piece and you know have helped educate people and we we think that's a, a fantastic project and the the people that run it loom we actually really like and want to probably collaborate with in the future and they're kind of their second game that they're coming out with which is like a trading card game around crypto zombies is really different than what we're doing and I think that they're doing a fantastic job with the games they're trying to design that are going to attract a bunch of users. But the gaming industry is massive, and we're you know if you've seen our our kind of our art style, it's very you know it's it's a little bit different of a demographic. It's a little bit more um, mature, sort of like League of Legends or something that's a little bit more um, Mm -hmm. massive necessarily than something like Crypto Zombies, which is very cutesy. So that's kind of like yeah, yeah, that's what I'd say. I mean, there's a lot of
2: lessons that can be learned across. Both of those things. I mean, if, if y'all are both trying, the underlying technology that pushes these things is kind of is kind of similar, so y'all could learn from each other in terms of trying to grow and make things work um, within the same ecosystem. But the audience is very different, like you said, because the, the gaming world is very massive. Even just illustrations, titles bifurcates audiences. If you look at the difference between Dota Two and League of Legends, those two are massively different audiences based on basically the way the game looks
3: yeah yeah that's that's it's a we, it's a massive you know uh driver in why people adopt specific games the art style and that's really why we you know we've enjoyed our collaboration with arcade display so much is because they you know their are artist artists um that has helped you know kind of create some of these is really you know is fantastic and we it's exactly what we wanted and you know we, we look forward to you know using that in the future we have actually a lot more pets that aren't even out, out on the marketplace. We expect to have, you know, um, by the time the game's, you know, all said and done of this first version, we could have twenty or thirty different crypto pets with a bunch of different evolutions, or and not evolutions, because you... evolutions are something we might actually implement in the future. Yeah,
0: I like the idea could of you... being able to uh, create my own crypto pet. Hold on, I didn't... I got a two-part question, though, Mackie. No wait, no wait. In. I got I
1: got this like crazy idea. I just want
0: to throw out there real quick. <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: Future product, okay? Here we go. Future, future product update to Pets. All right. Using using um, foams, like, proof of location, make it so one of the evolutions of your creatures can only evolve if you go to places like a volcano or if you go to places like a, like a, like a waterfall and then make it so, like, it, like it has to, like, actually, like, have the proof that, like, that asset was in that, like, geolocation and submit that proof mm-hmm. before the creature can evolve. That'd be dope as shit. Sorry, that's just broken. an idea I had. I was, th- I was thinking about Articuno and Zapdos and Moltres and shit, and I went on a mental tangent. I mean,
3: you wanted, do you want it to be AR? We have uh, some friends of ours that you know, can make an AR game out
1: of it. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So it's like, you know, trying to think about all the different cool ways that you can take kind of the crypto economic like, primitives and embed them into different ways that affect your creature's evolution over time. That's just a, a thing to think about.
3: Yeah, no, that, that's that's a great idea for, for mobile because, I mean, people on the go, they have check in different places, and, yeah, that could definitely be a, a cool aspect. We we really um, – there's so many possibilities of where we could go with this that's it's so exciting. I mean,
1: yeah, because then you could just, like, partner with different brands and put out, like, provably like, branded, like, creatures for like, X amount of times, and then whenever they check into certain branded locations, they level up and shit. I don't know. There's so many different cool things that you can do that where – pokemon go is like oh yeah we'll just get folks who are already out there and they'll use their phones and they'll whip them out anyway but like no in actuality you need to have like an intrinsic motivator to make these people like want to go and do these things like prove really fair being able to have like um develop an economy that will like create more wealth over time these sort of things compound and will actually make the same ideas that traditional legacy gamers think are going to be so hot um actually be useful 100 percent
3: yeah the the provably fair piece is important like you haven't played you know pokemon go i don't know how many pikachus are out there and if i (laughs) if i collect one like it's great that it's like you know famous and unique but like at the same time everybody might have one and then i don't i don't really give a shit i was actually
4: i was in i was in basel last year and um i walked by this guy and he had a he had a full mount for five different phones on the handlebar of his bike and he was at like a a, you know at a pookie stop just like this guy was going all the way in. He had like six different smartphones. And I was like, you know, the provably fair aspect—if we're going to be implementing things like that, where you dude, actually travel—is like, dude, he's
1: probably like, he's probably like either train, he's probably like training other people's accounts, or he's like, he tra- he's farming accounts and flipping them. And that, those type of people would be great for crypto pets, right?
4: Yep, it's just wild, you know.
1: So yeah, like I can sit around all day and like farm creatures and like level them up and like train them and then actually like make money, money
0: on them. Like that would be dope. So, I got a two part question here. Probably answer, you probably answer them pretty quick. The first uh, is you guys keep mentioning Pokemon. Do you have to catch them all? I don't know if anyone's ever asked that question. I just feel like people use certain Pokemon, a small selection. And then the second part is can I breed my crypto pets? Like, can I take a Fribbit and what looks like some sort of Zoid and make a Fribbit Zoid? Can they breed it?
3: So, so right now you cannot breed crypto pets, but we, we have a lot of people asking us for that specific feature. And it's probably going to be more like a mutation than anything where we use the composable tokens standard where we take the two non fungibles and we combine them. The the two are burned and you create a new one out of it. So it's not actually breeding and creating new ones because we don't want, you know, some sort of crazy inflationary supply like crypto kitties. We want like, you know, Again, the, the scarcity and rarity of these is really important to us, but the mutation yeah. concept's really cool.
1: Yeah, because think about it. You're taking non-fungible assets, reprova- reprovable scarcity, and everyone's going to attach and append their own intrinsic value to that creature. They'll be able to carry it across a multitude of different universes. But on top of that, it'll continue to evolve. you continue to use different composables. It'll get stronger. It'll level up. Da, 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 da. So like, not only do you have like, a provably scarce asset that will grow in value, as other individuals speculate, but you or play a major part in its future value.
0: But what if, if you burn it, then it just dies, right? Isn't your fribbit dead?
3: So it's, yeah, that's, that's the idea is that the, right now that you cannot, users cannot create more. And that really kind of lies in the the idea of the scarcity aspects, but we we plan to implement that uh, ERC 998 proposal, which is, you know, it's still so early. It's, you know, kind of, we can't implement it just yet. But the idea is that you could take two crypto pets, say a fribbit, and uh Hedina, and you could try to you know mutate them and create a new one and but both of them will, will die in the process. That's we, we don't want uh, you know hyperinflation and allowing users just to create new ones on demand, but we do like the ideas of these crossovers and what mutations could look like.
0: Yeah. Get into a little bit of the circle life here on the show. But,
2: uh, Steven, what, uh, like, what type of technological issues are you running into in, in implementing this type of thing? Because this isn't easy. Like, I mean, yeah, all of these things that we're talking about are awesome and fantastic, and I want it to happen. But from the blockchain perspective, what, what issues are you running into to try and get this done?
3: So, a few. So, the, the, the first one is I mean, we're really trying to get to the US dollar payments as soon as possible. So, you know, buying crypto pets with Ether is. is fantastic. And for us that know how to use it, that's great. But for the majority of the gaming market that doesn't know what Ether is or how to use MetaMask, it really limits kind of the the scope of what we can do. And so buying, you know, non-fungibles with, with, you know, U.S. dollars is kind of a big goal of ours. So we'll probably have to, you know, create our own wallet at some point specifically for, you know, in-game that won't, you know, complicate kind of the overall process of owning these assets. So that's one piece. The second is the like I said with the composable token uh, framework, it's still so new that you know the, the standard hasn't even been finalized and developed. Like with ERC 721, there's already like a standard organization that's helping you know make sure that all the functions you need in there, and you know there's people working in you know making it more secure and all the things that go into that. And so that's why that one's already you know it's it's a pretty good spot to be able to deploy and implement without any problems. But some of these newer proposals just haven't been fleshed out yet. So we you know we we'd love to help contribute on that, but there's you know, tons of people working on it. And, you know, once we can get to a place that it's a stable, you know, version of that, we'd love to you know, include that in the application.
0: Um, so you do have to catch all the Pokemon. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> yeah, answered that question. I'm not going to let it die.
3: <laughs> all right, so, right. so,
4: so no, basically it, it's going to come down to, to user place. And we're looking at you know very very different ways to incentivize the users to, to stay in because you know with a lot of blockchain games what you're looking at is um, you know by and large a lot of traders entering it for that value uh, of the asset and you know there's there's a, there's a unique marriage to be made between the tradable asset value and the actual gaming experience which we felt was something that we could be really expanding upon but when you actually get into the actual game itself you know, how we're going to be rewarding players with XP bonuses, you know, in-game combo, like attack moves and stuff like that, you know, working to make their experience much more varied so that it becomes an individualized experience and much more fun means that they will want to own these assets and will develop strategies that they will feel, you know, completely custom to their own play style. And, you know, not only does that give you depth, for you know the players themselves but it actually gives them you know an an entire community based around how they like to play their games and we've definitely been you know trying to move towards implementing you know team mode battles and that's something that i think is going to stand us you know apart from the rest because it gives the players the ability to bring in whatever pet they want Um, and and play again with their custom strategy alongside friends. And I think that, you know, the fastest way to grow evangelists is to, to make them, you know, really want to be, you know, super fans of your product.
3: So collect them all. Yeah. Yeah. Do it. Why not? (laughs) There's going to be like, like he said, like there's going to be functionality to allow you to play with multiple pets. Um, Like right now it's one pet versus one pet, but we're going to implement three pets versus three pets still like one player against one player, but, like, you could bring up to three pets to battle with you. Uh, we helped to implement, you know, more players that could battle as well, so you can have larger battles, maybe team battles. That's all that kind of comes in the roadmap, but you should collect them all. I mean, each of them have, each of them are unique, and that's kind of the idea is that a fribbit has, you know, different statistics than a heating and different attacks, and, you know, it, the, the combo is what you want. So, you know, you, I, I would collect, I would at least have one of each type.
1: So, I guess, kind of just through this whole process because it's definitely has it seemed like it 's been like you know fairly complicated, pretty arduous. You guys have been going through a lot of process and like thinking about the product. How it differentiates, how it applies to the cryptocurrency space and what you can do in relation to scalability. So what's um what's what's one of the bigger lessons learned that you guys have like picked up through this process of you know starting crypto You know, you started at CryptoZootopia, which is a god awful effing name, and I'm so glad I got you guys to change that. Like, like you literally were almost copyright infringing Zootopia and you care didn't care at all. So, so uh so like that being said, uh, what's some lesson learned you guys have like um, discovered since you've been iterating on this?
3: Bet uh, your uh, name with more than one person before you buy the domain name. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a that's a very serious one. I still <laughs> have cryptos. It's like no, seriously, that's the biggest one. I- <laughs> <laughs> okay. Done and done. Don't it's, have a bad name. It. it I mean, the, the biggest thing is just it, it takes like such a range of skills to do anything in in crypto at all. That like putting together the right team is hard, and keeping you know just it's always about uh, you know putting together the best team to execute, and like we've and, and that's been the hard part is finding the right people. And, and now that we have you know a really solid team, it's just it, it you know it's kind of it, it feels great, and it's uh, it, it was a lot of hard work to do that. And that's kind of you know the part that I, I didn't expect is that just how many different like unique skill sets that you need, and differing you know, personality styles, and differing you know ideas to come together to make something. Right, that you know, that's that's definitely what was most surprising,
4: and and I'm I'm glad we've you know gotten there. I mean, 100. On percent what, what about you, Lou? I was just going to say, on top of that, I mean, you know, obviously anyone working in the crypto space, you see a lot of fluctuations even week by week. And, and projects, you know, start with one intention, and you know, you know, might mutate into new things. But I think that it's you know, uh, the most important part of the space is to stay adaptable. So it's, you know, when we realized that we could start, you know, moving towards, you know, composable assets or something like that as a possibility, you know, that really opened up a lot of doors, you know, mentally for us to start thinking about the possibilities of what we could do with crypto pets. So our original goal was, you know, if you, if you if you were to go back and look at where we started is, is much, much, much more limited. And even then we felt like we were, you know, expanding upon what was already provided then. So, you know, it, it is a product of the market we're in and a product of the people that were around that just have, you know, really, really strong, you know, in, intelligent people with wild imaginations. But at the same time, it's just, you know, you, you can't really predict too far when you're already at the cutting edge of some sort of a technological space.
1: So thank you for that. I appreciate um, all those lessons learned, Luke and Blake. And, you know, we're very much looking forward to um, what's going to come about with crypto pets. And if you guys did not know, like, as he stated before, it's out and available um, in beta. Just go to beta.cryptopets.co. Uh, and it might not be too plainly obvious to you, but right now as it's in beta, it's on the Robson test network. So if you go there and you're getting blank pages, just make sure you swap your network from mainnet to Robson and you'll start to see the uh, the creatures in the animations and um, the progress of the game thus far. Um, but aside from that, is there anything, other plugs or any other information that you guys want to leave us with before we jet out of here?
3: Yeah, I'd like to plug that probably by the, the end of this month, we'll have something on uh, mainnet as well. So, you know, we're shooting for the end of July to have the, the beta wrapped up and kind of a like a limited release, like our, you know, public beta of uh, something on mainnet. Nice. All right. Well, thank you
1: very much, guys. I appreciate taking your time today. So, you know, we'll We'll spread the word to the world, and we'll get people in on your new game, and uh, see if this uh, this can catch on just as, as much as Wildfire as CryptoKitties is, and and if it's as ambitious as you guys claim that it will be, I see no reason why you guys can't get more than a hundred daily active users. <laughs> 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 I mean, I'm sorry, I'm just I'm, I'm making I'm making this joke here, but I'm looking back at the trans, uh, the transactional data for
3: CryptoKitties. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the goal is to have uh, people actually playing uh, a game, not just, uh, you know, moving and moving kitties around.
1: Yeah, exactly. You can only do so much just breeding a pet, buying a pet on a marketplace, and then trying to, like, uh, get in front of everyone else to sell your stuff for money that people really don't care about these assets. I think you guys are going to trend things in the right direction. And if you end up clogging the blockchain, at least it was going to be for something really useful
4: this time. <laughs> 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 <That's gonna be laughs> it. just trying to make money of it. Yeah, <laughs> you are the arbiter of what is useful so we're going to make sure it's good for you. Okay, okay thank you so much. <laughs> I appreciate that.
1: So uh so thank you very much again for coming on the show, guys. Um and please come back on the show once you guys have uh, Sultan Nintendo
4: 100%. Um, <laughs> yeah.
1: I like I say that I'm joking, but I'm just throwing that out into the ether and hoping, you know, who never knows. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll we'll, we'll, we'll have you guys uh, back on the show in the future and thanks for your time This episode of Block Channel was brought to you by MakerDAO. MakerDAO and their team are the creators of the DAI stablecoin. The DAI stablecoin allows developers and investors to collateralize their Ethereum in return for a non-fluctuating stable asset. The DAI that they can then use to interact as a medium of exchange for payments or for developers to create more legacy-like UI, UXs for their consumers who are used to spending assets that are non-fluctuating in value. To learn more about the MakerDAO and their project, The Die, check out our links in the show notes below.
0: My daddy hit my mama, and I never told your honor So when my nigga beat me, I just figured it was karma I used to justify it like he couldn't hit me harder Till I woke up at the hospital, they thought I was a goner They put me in a hot seat, it felt just like a sauna They asked if I would press a charge and I did really want to a blowing marriage, yeah, because I ain't want no more drama And it's easier to smoke it on and cope with all the trauma I hate that we was everything I wanted us to be And then they came and locked them up for I was strong enough to leave And I ain't gon' hold ya, I ain't really got closure And I'm only telling you because it's honor amongst the thieves And I know my mama loved my daddy more than she was scared of him She just knew his foster parents, they were never fair to him Knowing that might make this a little less embarrassing I fuck niggas on Tinder cuz I can't afford a therapist right now no
2: really unhealthy
1: coping mechanism I know I really but can't commit right now no. one of kind
3: of